Are you tired of stressing out about your marketing? Wondering how to boost your online presence, attract more clients, and become a go-to expert in your field? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm a marketing strategist, podcast coach, and the best-selling author of the Podcast Launch Playbook. I'm here to help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Today, I'm interviewing Elizabeth Crusher on the myths, facts, mistakes, and burnout related to entrepreneurship. I'm sure you'll be able to relate. And by the end of this interview, you should have a clear view of entrepreneurship and a better approach to minimize mistakes and burnout. As the daughter of two entrepreneurs, Elizabeth Pressure saw firsthand the ups and downs of small business ownership from a young age and still knew it was the life for her. As the owner-partner of Height Digital Dayton, she combines her five years of boutique ownership with her passion for all things marketing to help businesses grow their audience and revenue. Welcome, Elizabeth. I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Awesome. So as the daughter of two entrepreneurs, you grew up with a unique view of what it takes to run your own business that most entrepreneurs just don't have. I mean, most of us jump in with little understanding of what to expect. So in spite of your background, did you have any surprises when you started your own business? You know, it's funny because a little context even about their entrepreneurship. So I always say my entrepreneur journey started when I was born. My mom had a 15-month-old and um, and then me, and she was working at a factory and got laid off. So they ended up calling her back a little bit later. And at that point, she'd kind of decided, like, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to do something different. So she started a cleaning company, initially residential, turned into commercial, and grew it into this amazing company. So, you know, really, I know nothing but my mom owning her own business. And then my dad on the other side, I was 13 when he started his business. So I always, you know, kind of joke with my mom, I was a baby. And with my dad, I was a teenager, which is basically the most self-centered time of our life. So, <laughs> you know, the beginning phases, I definitely witnessed with my dad. And so I was able to see, you know, although in my own little world, I also got to see the catalyst for it. And you know, looking back and thinking about, especially in the beginning with my boutique, I would say the biggest surprise was I was raised around money. And so I was, I always knew kind of how much my parents made, how much things cost. I remember distinctly sitting with my girlfriends in college, talking about our majors and money and what our parents made, what we would make with our majors. And nobody knew anything. Nobody knew how much their house cost. And, and maybe it's because I was nosy and I liked to know those things and they were more private, but I always thought I'm really good with money. I like money. I know money. Um, and I would say that was probably the biggest surprise getting into my boutique and realizing there's a big difference between knowing money and really managing money well in a business. And, and so I think that was really, you know, kind of a surprise to me and hard for me at first adjusting to that. Like, wait a second. I thought this was, you know, one of my strengths and I realized it's not. So that was, that was hard, but it was an area, you know, an area of opportunity or an opportunity for growth mm -hmm. and to outsource too. So. That makes sense. You can learn it. That, that is a skill that we can learn. And I remember that too, when I was growing up, I asked my mom one day, like she didn't work. She was a stay-at-home mom. And I asked her how much my dad made. And I remember she told me a number and I was thinking about it later. And I'm like, that 
can't be true. I mean, I think she gave me a number that was too low based on how we were living at that time. And I asked like how much the house cost and we had it built. And so that number was probably accurate for that time, but the salary thing, and maybe it was true because maybe there were some other things because the company was actually started by my great grandfather. So since it was a family business, then there probably were other things like end of year bonuses and things like that. But I had no context for what those numbers meant. Right. So she gave me, you know, these, these absolute numbers, but then we didn't talk about it beyond then. Mm -hmm. So, okay. What is that in comparison to, like, I didn't think to ask what's the average in Houston. What's the average in the country? What does this get you? That type of thing. Yep. And that's funny because I would actually, as I grew up, I would say to my dad, how much is a lot of money? Like if you made $60,000 a year, is it a lot of money? Is it 80? Is it 200? And my dad said, and I think this is something that like one of those core memories, like I remember what car we were in. And he said, it doesn't matter how much you make. It matters how much you spend. And it really hit me. And again, that's, that is not to say like, obviously I still had a lot to learn, but I feel like that was something that really, you know, obviously there's still minimums we need to live, but that, that was really very core to me. And that's something that I want to teach my kids too. Like, you know, we have in a world full of, you know, famous YouTubers and all these things that our kids watch, you know, want, they know how much some YouTubers make now and, and to teach them realistically and uh, to teach them to manage money and, and, you know, what's wise and also what is realistic. I think we, we have more opportunities to have those conversations. Obviously you and I were both inquisitive and that naturally led to the conversation. But I think with our kids now, we, we have those opportunities because everything's so public. So the different ballgame. That's true. And then in business, knowing those numbers, I think so like just getting into entrepreneurship and let's say particularly uh, since this is what my listeners are into, it's like being an online entrepreneur, you know, or doing a lot of business online. I don't think we really know what we're getting into, you know, like what the basic costs are going to be. And they're certainly way lower than having a brick and mortar store or selling products. And not all products have to be, you you don't have to have inventory for a lot of products these days, like, you know, with e-commerce, but we don't know how many subscriptions we're going to end up with until we actually start getting them or work with a coach or take a course and realize, oh, there's a lot. Or yeah. sometimes we can find one that's that's a catch-all, you know, a systems management program or something, but there really is a lot. There's a lot. And it's so easy when you're starting your business too, because you're like, so, and for example, I started with a Shopify store because I was a boutique and we use it as our POS and online with Shopify, they have apps you can add. And they're like, here's an SEO app. And I'm like, sign me up for that. They're like, here's a, you know, something else app. And I'm like, sign me up for that. And then you get a few months in or a few years in and you're like, I don't, what, what do, what did I sign up for that? Like, what does it even do? How is it moving me forward? And so that, you know, being auditing those things and saying there are things that we find, like you said, this catch-all, the CRMs and the things that were like, without this, my business would not run. Mm-hmm. And then there are things you're like, 
without this, I would not even notice that it, you know, that it wasn't there. I would just, you know, I would have that extra money in my account and it does, it adds up. So it's that cushion and that, you know, just being in touch with what we're spending because it, it adds up really quickly and having those even simple, I think too, we think everything needs to be complicated and needs to be kind of like the highest level. And, you know, my husband actually is currently starting a business and um, he's a physical therapist starting practice and we have a basic spreadsheet mm-hmm. and that's great to keep us on track of what, what the investment is. And it's been yeah. fun to see. We don't need the fancy stuff always. So, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. They may be the, all the fancy software and everything can help, Absolutely, but you don't always have to do that. You know, if you love spreadsheets and that works for you, then do that. Yeah. And if you need something either more sophisticated, or if that software does simplify for you, then look into that, but write it down and and keep track of what you're spending. Yes. Keep track. That's the most important one. Yeah. It's sort of like when we take vitamins and when we first start out taking something or supplements, you know, of any kind, when we first start taking it, we know exactly why we're taking it, you know, and then we yep. forget. And then we get to the point where it's like, wait, why am I taking this? Do I right. really have to be taking it? Cause this is expensive. This stuff is like $60 a month yes. Yes. <laughs> or whatever, you know, yes. right. Right. It kind of wears. And I think that's that intentionality is so important in everything that we do because we get farther along in something and we, you know, we, we kind of just, those habits are good, but sometimes we do forget the impact. And then maybe we stop taking the vitamins and realize, oh yeah, that's why I took it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot yeah. what it was like to feel this way. So yeah, very true. Yeah. So we've got, we've already hinted at some of this, but can you tell us what are some common myths that entrepreneurs have, or, you know, believe when they first start, uh, you know, when they first get into their own business, I think one of the biggest myths, and again, I think it's, is speaks to kind of our culture now is that people that start businesses and that are successful, were just really good at something. It was totally based on talent. And when I started my agency, it was originally called grit and grace. And the reason, you know, grit is such a buzzword, but I love it because it's so true. You know, we see that, you know, it isn't, it is good to start a business that we have passion about or that we're good at, but we see that like, you know, it's, it's not easy. And a lot of times we only see the highlight reel. We know that's really true. We don't see the grit that it takes. And I tell my boys a lot, you know, grit isn't pushing through when it's kind of hard. Like when you're running that mile and you're like, it's kind of hard, but I get like, that's hard. But like grit is when you are I use this as a real example on the ground, literally crying because somebody's, you know, a client has sent you a really mad message or, you know, you've just had a huge disappointment and things that you thought were going to be, you know, easy peasy fell apart. And so I think keeping in mind that when you face those big obstacles, it doesn't mean that you weren't supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. It can feel like that can feel like this is a closed door. And sometimes it is, sometimes it is a, you know, redirect moment, but a lot of times it's just that time where you have to decide, is it worth it? Like, and to think, you know, the people that we admire, you know, we admire them because they're successful, but they're not successful because they're talented only they're successful because they push through those hard, you know, and I always say it's, you know, sometimes it is, you know, external forces, 
that we have to push through. A lot of times it's internal. It's things, you know, it's embarrassing to make mistakes when we feel like we should be really good at something, but it's not that we're not good. It just means, you know, keep on keeping on and really, Mm -hmm. you know, pushing through it and for, you know, learning from the mistakes and moving forward. So I think that myth of like somebody just was an overnight success is, is a huge, is a huge misconception. So I think another thing we've done, I do think there in this day and age, I think there has been a much better, you know, kind of move towards realism, right? Like I think that people that we really admire are more open about talking about their mistakes, but I think to continue to normalize that through, um, so that new entrepreneurs know, like, it's okay. You, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're, you are going to make mistakes. People are going to fail you. You are going to learn lessons. And that's the point. If you learn Mm -hmm. those lessons, you can keep going. So And personally, I learn better and relate better to people who share their mistakes. I had a coach once about 10 years ago, or was in a coaching program with someone who never shared their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it was such a turnoff. And I had already joined the program and it just felt like everything was magical for me. (laughs) Right. Like that's, that's not real. Come on and share something that was tough for you because this is tough for everyone else in the room. Mm -hmm. And it it just, you cannot connect with people like that on a personal level. And so it makes it hard to develop the no like trust factor. Yes. And it's funny that you say that because my mother, I had the world's best mother-in-law and she passed away, but I mean, just the best. And one of the things she said actually to my mom once was we relate most in our weaknesses and it's so true. And it's not that we don't, we want to see success. Like we want to have a goal. It's, but, you know, I think about my, my closest friends and I think, you know, I love that we can say, oh, I was like the worst mom today, you know, like, or my kids are driving me crazy or work was really hard or my husband is, and not that we want to dwell in that. Like we don't want to stay in the hard, but I think we relate, like you said, I mean, we relate in the hard. And I, I do think that is finding the balance of that too, in this space is hard because if we only talk about the hard stuff. You know, we want to encourage, we want to inspire, and we also have to sell ourselves sometimes too. And so there's that fear for myself, even like to admit my weakness, because what if people like, what if they don't think I'm good at what I do when I say I dropped the ball there, but we're all going to drop the ball. And, and if we pretend like we don't, we're eventually going to disappoint people anyway. So let's be upfront with the hard stuff and in the triumphs too, because, you know, kind of going back to that as well. When I started my boutique, it was mobile. And so we were in this 24 foot set van that was white and we bought it and it was not pretty, but it was just a blank slate. And my nature was to, once it's pretty, once it's mint green on the inside and coral and all perfect, then I want to show everybody. And my sister who was helping me was like, no, people want to see the before and after they want to cheer you on. And so we shared pictures of my husband and my brother-in-law's you know, working on it in an ice storm and they saw the white to the mint green. And, and I think it helped us start with a bang because they got to see the process. That's a great point. Yeah. And like you said, not wanting to stay in the pain or when things are going badly, that is a great point that it's great to show when things go wrong or show our vulnerabilities, but it's, Mm -hmm. 
I think it's even better to show them when we can end it with a triumph or how we ended up resolving the problem, because then we have a real message that we can share with our audience. There's, there's like a how-to right. that we can share with it. Right. And I think we, we all need that, you know, inspiration of things are going to get better. You know, there, mm-hmm. we've all, you know, my husband had some health, a lot of health issues when we were first married. And I remember I woke up thinking, I'm going to feel this way every day. He would wake up and actually pass out. So I would hear like a thump. And I thought, I'm never going to wake up and not worry about him thumping. And um, that was, gosh, 14 years ago. And I don't think about it at all now, but it was, I was so consumed with it. And it gave me that perspective of, you know, things are going to get better. You know, things you just, and there will be a day where you don't think of that huge mistake that you made. And, and you'll remember, like I kept going and you'll build that confidence of like, and it puts it in perspective the next time a hard thing comes too. like, remember the time I kicked that problem's butt, like I can do that again. And that's really exciting. Yeah. Very true. So instead of these myths that new entrepreneurs have, or even you know, seasoned entrepreneurs, sure. there are other myths as well. What do you wish that we knew instead? I think it is. Um, one of the things is when you look at your business and you go into this, go into it with like big eyes of like what the possibilities are. Um, you know, we, we sometimes have are so laser focused and that's not, that's not bad. I think that's good to know, but to realize one of my favorite quotes is Andy Stanley. And he says, um, marry your mission, but date your model. So if you can be laser focused on how you want to serve people and how you want to share this message, but realize that like the way you do it, you know, might look like this or, and I think what that does is it gives us this abundance mindset of like, if we hang our hats on one thing, when that falls, there's nowhere to go. But, you know, when I started, co- I actually started coaching initially and I was going to be a business coach. And I think, you know, I would start meeting with clients and they would, I would give them a to-do list and they'd come back to me and they didn't do it or they didn't come back because they didn't do it and they were embarrassed. And, and I was like, I'm not very good at this. And I don't think it was the best fit for me, but then we ended up, I looked and I was like, I think I need to take something off their plate. And so then I was like, what do I love to do that I could provide? And so, you know, kind of moved to messenger marketing, which is, I thought was going to be the future, right? Everybody's going to do messenger marketing. It's going to be the biggest. Well, then Facebook put in some different things and it kind of changed the landscape. And I realized this looks a little bit different. So then what, and it's to realize that that's okay to kind of pivot into, you know, do things a little bit different than you intended. And that's exciting to know if some, if a door closes, like keeping your eyes open to all the possibilities and just having that perspective of like, there's going to be a way, even if it looks different than the first way that I thought. That is great. And I think that speaks to people picking a niche and people's fear of making it too tight. And they're like, you know, okay, but I'm then eliminating all of these other options, all of these other possibilities. And if things change, I'm stuck. Yeah. Nope. But what you're just saying is, no, you don't have to be stuck. Nope. And you, the more you get into anything, the more you realize, you know, 
what your passion is and, you know, and how you can help people. And you may have a client that you may not have taken originally. Like it may have been someone that like they didn't, you know, and then you start working with them and you're like, there's like, this is a problem I can solve. And there are so many people with this problem. And I, I think that's another thing too, when you're going into entrepreneurship, my favorite entrepreneur stories are people looking to solve a problem. And if you have that mindset, you know, what do you do? Well, I solve, you know, like I solve this problem. This is the problem I solve. And this is who I solve it for. Then, you know, and you have that mindset again, you may even solve a different problem, but the, you know, the possibilities are endless. And I think, you know, the fulfillment for you personally is endless too, because, you know, you look at, you get to do what you love in lots of different ways, or maybe in one specific way, but just having that, that open mindset, I think Mm -hmm. gives you so much freedom and it takes away the fear because when we go into entrepreneurship, there is, you know, a lot of fear sometimes of what if this doesn't go right? You know, what if I, what if I fail? Well, now it's kind of like, well, I'm, I am going to fail. This is going to maybe look different and that's okay. And then it, it just takes away that, you know, that, that heaviness. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurs making? You know, I think a lot of it is going in and wanting results immediately and wanting, you know, again, it's kind of like looking at the successful people and wanting that for yourself immediately, instead of, you know, having that reality that like it does, it takes time and it takes, you know, it takes patience and, you know, it, you just need to start. And so I think even myself, when I look at a different tool that I want to use, you know, I want to post a YouTube video and get, you know, thousands of views and likes and all, you know, and subscribers and all this thing, all these things. And, and we think if it doesn't happen the first time, it's not going to happen, but it is the patience that, you know, it's that repetition and it is just sticking with it that, you know, we see those results and, and going in again with that mentality of like, it's okay. And, and I think too, you know, specifically, I work a lot with e-common boutiques and, um, you know, I think a lot of times we, we look at success stories, not just in the people, but also in the results of, you know, Facebook ads and SEO and people, you know, all these like tools that people use. And we're like, I want 10 times return on this. And, and so we get these expectations of, you know, this isn't, so I think, you know, I always encourage people like get really into the numbers of like, what does long-term success look like? And how do we kind of build this brick by brick? Because that is that firm foundation, because the reality is you grow really fast. And, you know, if you don't have your SOPs built out and you don't have the structure, you know, you're really going to struggle and you're not going to love your business and you're going to have a really hard time sticking with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is that thing where it's like you grow too slow and it's hard, you grow too fast and it's hard and choose your heart, but yeah. you know, that steady, it really is the steady, having the patience, having the perspective you know, those are the, those are the businesses that I see succeed. I think another thing too, is, you know, that authenticity, like build this business based on who you are and not who you think people want you to be. And I struggle with that, right? Like I, you know, there are days where I'm like, I know I need to do a video and I don't like the way my hair looks, or I don't, nobody cares. And this is me like, you know, do as I say, not as I do, but just to remember, like you if you have this mission, if you have this like desire to 
do this thing, you know, don't let those little things stand in your way of being who you're supposed to be and helping who you're supposed to help. And remember that like, it's worth it. It's worth it to get over those little, those little hurdles that don't feel little, mm -hmm. like they don't feel little in the, in the process. But when you, when you get past them, you realize, what was I thinking? But not in the middle. Yeah. It's less about us than it is about the people we're helping. The focus is supposed to be on them. Yes. And we, and we make it about ourselves so often and not, and I don't think it's in a way that's, you know, intentionally self-centered or selfish at all. I think it's in a way that's kind of protects ourselves. And, mm -hmm. you know, we see that I was actually watching a TikTok video last night and she said, you know, there, there's a reason there are so many more consumers than there are creators. It's because creating is hard and putting yourself out there is hard, but it is that choice. What is more important? Me getting a few nasty comments or a few potentially, maybe you won't even get them. Yeah. Me falling flat on my face or me, you know, regretting not helping. Like who needs, who needs what I want to give and who is not going to get it because I'm too scared. I was with my um, family this weekend and my sister is in education and my niece is debating. She's a senior and trying to figure out what she wants to do. And it's hard when you're 17 and you don't know. And she's like, well, I don't really want to go to college. And I'm, and my sister was saying, you know, and there are so many good career paths now that you don't have to go to college, but, right. you know, kind of thinking through what will future me be proud of me for doing mm -hmm. and look back, you know, five years from now to be able to say like, that was a hard choice then, but I'm so, so glad I did it. And I gave myself those opportunities and it takes, you know, it takes a lot of perspective to do that and a lot of bravery. So, yeah. That makes sense. And what you're saying, what you were just saying too, about putting yourself out there as a creator and it being vulnerable, and we don't mean to be like self-centered about it. I, I think that women in particular have a hard time putting ourselves out there, uh, or especially maybe older millennials and gen X, because we were raised to doll ourselves up present ourselves a certain way. So, mm -hmm. you know, I try to look cute, put on some makeup for mm -hmm. these interviews. And when I make other videos and things, and in contrast, you've got guys doing oh. their videos. They'll just throw on a t-shirt and a ball cap. Yeah. Like, I right. cannot put on a ball cap to do an interview. <laughs> it's so cool. And even speaking to the generational thing too, you know, when I, had my boutique, I was, you know, I had a younger girl and I was like, I need her because they're used to documenting their lives. We, I was so funny this weekend was homecoming weekend in our area. My husband and I had a date night and, you know, we had these homecoming kids come in and, um, one came in and was actually a relative and he kind of sat by us and they were just, you know, like watching this cute dates it was so fun. And then they ran, they laughed and, um, well, first of all, we took a picture with him, which I don't think to take picture. I'm just, that's not the way my mind works. And then mm -hmm. he left and I saw them leave and he propped up his camera on the tire and took a selfie, grabbed the phone, jumped in the car and they went off to the dance. And I was like, what, this is just what they do. Like, and, and we were not, you know, we, I was deaf, you know, that just wasn't the way, you know, it was, I think trying to, you know, 
I think that's one of the hardest things is how do we stay true to ourselves, you know, and, and build businesses the way that feels very authentic, but also know that we have to stretch ourselves a little bit. And it doesn't mean, you know, doing TikTok dances all the time if nobody wants to see me dance because nobody wants to see me. It would be very ironic for me, you know, and, but it does mean, you know, especially in this, like you said, digital, we're in the digital space. I saw somebody post in a group, like, can I grow my business out? any social media. And I'm like, like you can't, I'm sure there's a way there. I'm sure there is a way, but digital businesses are based, you know, like where this is the space. And so to me, what I think is the fun part, especially the farther you get along and the more you learn your strengths and weaknesses and the more you revenue, you get, you get to outsource those things and you still get, you know, you still get to, you know, grow, you still get to grow your business and you still get to grow a way that feels authentic, but you also get to outsource the things that feel that just aren't in your, aren't in your zone as zone of genius. So that's kind of the sweet spot to me is when you get there in your business where you're like, I can identify, you know, I want to be this person. I'm not, but I think that I can fill in the blanks through this, this avenue. So. Absolutely. So what tips do you have for entrepreneurs to try to avoid some of these mistakes we've discussed. And we also haven't talked about burnout yet. So I would say tips to kind of avoid. One of the things that when I was starting my boutique, I was working for a small business owner who's still a dear friend and advisor. And she said to me when I was getting ready to leave, she said, I want you to do this, write down what success looks like to you. And you know, it doesn't mean a number, I'm not asking you to write down a dollar amount. I'm asking like in your daily life, if you could build a business that allows you to do this and this and this, you know, what does your day look like? What is your week? What does your family's life look like? And, and it was so good for me to do that because it kept things into perspective and it allowed me, it was kind of like those micro goals that, you know, I could, I could check off the list and I could be like, you know, it may be amazing, small to some people, but this was, you know, this was on my list. And for me, it was things, you know, like when my boys were younger, I wanted to have the flexibility to go on field trips. That was really important to me and owning my own business and, you know, being an entrepreneur, there were times that I missed things because, you know, I was a solopreneur at the time. And, but, you know, those micro, every time I was on the field trip, it reminded me like in those hard moments, this is why I'm doing this. Like this is, you know, and again, it's going to look different for everybody. It's going to be, you know, for some, it may be, you know, getting your nails done, you know, like there's just so many different reasons that people start businesses. But I think if you can really write that down from the beginning, then you're able to like reinforce, you know, this is why I did it. I think too, like trying to keep a journal and that's, you know, it's hard, but I think if you're able to, you know, kind of write down how you were feeling on certain days, not only does that make us aware of like why, but it also, you know, you know, I had a really good month. Why did I have a really good month? Oh, this was like, this is what I was doing. These were the activities I was doing. These were the things that, you know, I was able to enjoy. And because I was enjoying it, my business grew. And so I think being very intentional with what we're doing, because um, sometimes in the entrepreneur space, we're, you know, kind of free spirits. And, you know, we, we, we like to, and that's great, but sometimes we're not in touch with why I think, why we succeeded. And again, there are external forces, Mm -hmm. but the things that we can control, we need to know what they are 
so that we can control them. So, um, and then kind of speaking, you know, to burnout, I think burnout is such a problem with entrepreneurs. It's be, you know, when we start a business, we have to be all in, you know, like we've got an idea, like we're in it. For example, when I started my mobile boutique, it was December. I, I thought I'm going to start a boutique, got connected with somebody who had a boutique for, through a friend. She said, I actually started mobile and then I grew into brick and mortar. I was like, mm. great idea. My husband come home from, comes home from work. And I was like, you know, that money we saved up to renovate this house. I was like, we're going to put it in this truck and we're going to do, and he was like, okay. So that was December wow. 16th, uh, 2013. And exactly 100 days later, we had the truck renovated. We had all the merchandise bought, all the things. And I had my first event in hundred days. And so you think like, and, that, and it was during Christmas time. So like not a lot was done outside of finding a truck, finding the things, filling the truck, going to market, you know? So we get so, you know, we, we feel like we have to be 24 seven with our ideas or it's not gonna succeed. And so, you know, I think as, and in the beginning, were all the things, you know, mm -hmm. we're the, the buyer, we're the e-commerce, you know, we're all the things. And so it's, we have to do the, the fun stuff and the hard stuff. Cause if we don't do the things we're not good at, we're not going to grow, mm -hmm. but if we don't, you know, and so it's, but if we do them, then we can you know risk burning out. So I think it's that, you know, that, that just hyper-focus that comes with the first bit of starting a business. And again, I think it's this wanting instant success and not finding it. Mm -hmm. I think it is the, we can't grow unless we put ourselves out there with most of the businesses that we're starting, we need an audience. And so, you know, it's scary to, yeah. you know, to put your, and you want to, and I think too, in that first year, we don't know what, is, you know, what is the thing that's going to make me successful? So we do try all the things. So, you know, it's a lot. Instead of focusing on yeah. one or two things. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and, you know, I think again, we're at a spot that's amazing because even the difference between starting a business when I did in 2013 with my boutique versus now the resources that are available, the, you know, e-com, the POS, the courses, the coaches, all the things, there's so many resources. But it also means that there's so many options. And so, like you said, you instead of picking one or two, we're like, well, if I take 14 courses, then surely I'll be ahead of the person that takes one or two. And mm -hmm. so it's it's yeah. overwhelming. And it's yeah. and then I think it leads to, you know, again, I started my business because I wanted more time with my family and I wanted that flexibility. And then I built a prison for myself in mm -hmm. some ways. And so, you know. Thankfully, I feel like I have the tools to get out of it, but it really, my mission has always been to encourage and empower women boutique owners to provide their families with the income they need and the time they deserve. And, you know, cause that is, that's the hard part, right? Like yeah. the, to have both, you know, right. it, it, sometimes we can have the income and that's great because we feel successful. But when we see our time dwindling and it's not in our control anymore, then it's like, you know, it, it's, we got what we wished for, but it wasn't, it wasn't exactly. So keeping that in mind, you know, I think it can be done and I, we can build businesses that we're so proud of. And, you know, I'm so thankful for the flexibility I have and, you know, 
the opportunities that it has given me, but it it didn't happen immediately and it didn't happen without intentionality too. So right. yeah. If we're making all the income that we wanted, but we don't have the time. So like you said, you know, it's every everything that we wished for, then we need to be wishing a little bit bigger. Thing. Yeah. I don't remember the exact quote from the Leonardo right. DiCaprio movie Inception. Tom Hardy says yeah. something about, uh, oh, you need to dream a little bigger, darling. Um, yes. So we need to put that time piece in there for sure. Yeah. And some that you mentioned earlier about standard operating procedures, that really helps with getting our time back, doesn't it? It does. And I think, you know, we it's hard when you start something because you're like, well, I have the time to do it. So I might as well do it the hard way. And so we kind of, you know, start kind of meandering. And then we realize as the business grows, your time dwindles, but you didn't take the time to do those SOPs then because you thought I'm always going to have the time. And so, um, I, I have ADHD. And so sometimes it's really interesting with ADHD because you like the structure to a certain, you don't, we say we don't like the structure, but we like the structure. And what I found is there are times where I'll get hyper-focused on these SOPs and building them out. And nothing brings me more like joy than to realize, because I have some chaos in my life because of the ADHD and building those SOPs makes me feel like I, like I've I built something that makes sense and that is linear, you know, it's just so structured. And, and the great part about that is when you build something like that, you get to pass it off to somebody else because you've told them exactly how to do it. And, and, and that's so fun because you also have built these great expectations and clear expectations for someone to come into your business and help you grow and become that team member. I, you know, I struggle sometimes, you know, I think, when we first start out, we can't imagine again, being able to pass something off. And, and so when we get to that point where we can, we want to make sure that it makes sense to somebody else. And so that's so fun to see, like I've set somebody else up for success. So those SOPs seem unnecessary in the beginning because we think, well, I'm always going to do this, but the great news is you won't. (laughs) Right. And then when it comes time to hire someone, even just, you know, one like VA, So often, like as a solo entrepreneur, you think I can do it faster myself than train someone else how to do it. But if you already have your standard operating procedures written out, that's the training right there. Yep. Yep. Then it's like, you know, a brief amount of time on the phone or on zoom to walk them through it. So then no, it's, it's much more efficient to train someone else. It is. And, and I think too, then we look at how do we get into those big pictures, you know, then we get to stay in our zone of genius and we don't have to, you know, have those, those side things. And, and I think too, it is that, again, that in- intentionality with like cataloging, what do I love to do? Like, what do I love to do? What am I good at? What, when I finish a day doing this and I like, what are the things that I feel so drained and what are the things that, you know, I get giddy about, you know, like I still want to tell my husband about because I'm so excited. And so it takes a while again, I think like be kind and gracious with yourself in the beginning phases, because it takes a while to know. And for some people it doesn't, but I think a lot of people you do, you come into something and you're like, I think I love that. And then you're like, "Hmm, maybe I don't love that as much. Maybe I, you know, this is really my strength. So 
again, it's that open mind, of, but also that being very intentional. So, yeah. So I'm getting a few takeaways or a few themes from what we talked about being patient, being curious, focusing on your zone of genius and being really intentional. Yes. Did I miss anything? No, I love that. I feel like that is the funny thing is curious is I feel like that is like so core to being an entrepreneur. So I think Mm -hmm. those are all things that, you know, looking at those and keeping like making that a part of your mindset is going to, you know, give you more satisfaction. It's going to give you, you know, more grace with yourself. And, and it's just, it's going to make this, I hope that it makes the entrepreneurial journey, you know, better. One other thing too, that I didn't mention, I think is community. I think it's, it is, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are doing something similar, you know, doing, because again, it's that we relate in our weaknesses, but we also have, you know, people that we can, it's a, it's a unique experience, right? It's, it's, there are weird things that we go through with as entrepreneurs. And I think I'm never more, you know, excited and just confident. I had something more experienced last spring where it was something, somebody had said something negative about me in a Facebook group. And I was so upset. And I brought it to our group of franchisees. And immediately they said, I was like, should I pursue this? Like I got very, and they were like, shake it off. You're good at what you do. You make mistakes, but you you're, you know, like digest it. What could I do different? Move on. Mm -hmm. If there's something you need to resolve with that person, resolve it. But like, this isn't, and it was, I think it was Easter Sunday. And I remember thinking, I was just so upset. And I read the comments and I was like, that's right. I opened up my book and I kept, I kept reading this, just went into my like fun book for the day. And my husband was like, that was amazing. You, he's like, last year, you would have been thinking about that for a week or a month. Mm-hmm. But because I had that community of people telling me, shake it off. You're like, yeah. you, you're tough, you're smart. It's good. And so yeah. that community piece, however you can find it, whether in person, virtually is so important. That's great. And now it's a good story to tell, yes. not something oh. that's plaguing you. Yes. Cause I mean, again, it, it doesn't make my stomach hurt to talk about it, but back in the day, it would have months later, I would have been like, Oh, yeah. but now it's like, Oh, that's, this is why I'm here. This yeah. is why I'm part of this community. So yeah, absolutely. So how can listeners find you to learn more about you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's Elizabeth underscore pressure. And on Facebook, um, my personal is Elizabeth pressure and uh, business is height digital Dayton. Awesome. So I will share those links in the show notes and on this episode's page on my website. And I really appreciate you being here today. This was an awesome conversation and one that entrepreneurs should be having regularly. You know, we, we get into business and I think we don't go back to the basics and, and really think about what am I doing? So this was fabulous. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you. This is, I could start every day talking to you, Kelly. This would be making my days better. So I appreciate it. Me too. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you all for being here today. 
So in just one week, this show will be relaunching under a new brand, the Podcast Launchpad, helping women entrepreneurs use podcasting as a tool to boost your authority, reach a wider audience, and get more clients. So be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. In the meantime, I'll be back in a few days. See you then.